I want to share something that most of us have experienced in life one way or another or multiple times, and that is a subject of job descriptions. Job descriptions, of course, does exactly that, describes the job that is expected to be performed. Along with that, we have mission statements that declares what the organization uh, is all about and, and what their purpose is, their mission is, the objectivity to it. And so we understand that job descriptions, mission statements are very important because along with it comes this big word, expectations. It works both ways. I remember talking to a pastor several years ago. We were uh, serving together with a funeral service, and uh, he had been going through a very troubled time, and, and he was bitter, to be honest. And he said, you know, it's just expectations, right? Uh, of what's expected of a pastor, and you're to do this, to say that, to be all things. Well, that reminded me of uh, an article that I found, and it's simply entitled, Perfect Pastor Found. So can you imagine in your mind what that person must be like? Well, this is the, uh, this is the article. The perfect pastor has been found. He preaches exactly 20 minutes, and then he sits down. No comment. He condemns sin, but never steps on anybody's toes. He works from 8 in the morning till 10 at night, doing everything from preaching sermons to sweeping. He makes $60 per week, gives $30 a week back to the church. Yet he drives a late model car, buys lots of books, wears fine clothes, and has a nice family. He always stands ready to contribute to every other good cause, and... Uh, he even helps panhandlers who trot by the church on their way somewhere else. He's 36 years old and has been preaching for 40 years. <laughs> he is tall on the short side and heavy set on a thin sort of way and handsome. He has eyes of blue or brown to fit each occasion. Wears his hair parted in the middle left side dark and straight, right side brown and wavy. He has a burning desire. Can you imagine what that looked like? He has a burning desire to work with the youth and spends all his time with senior citizens. He smiles all the times while keeping a straight face. <laughs> because he has a keen sense of humor that finds him seriously dedicated, he makes 15 calls a day on church members spends all his time evangelizing non-members, and is always found in his study when he is needed. Unfortunately, he burned himself out and died at the age 32. <laughs> you, you do the math on that. He's 36, but he died when he's 32. Expectations, right? Getting employed or from the employer's perspective. These are expectations. This is what I'm communicating to you as you take this job. This is what I have perceived in my mind that I expect of you. And then the recipient as well is, I'm hearing this, I'm envisioning this. Well, that isn't too far from where we are in faith as well. Because then we've got to ask ourselves, who is Jesus? What's his job description? Hmm. Well, you've got to look at titles 
that kind of defines the multitasking that he's been a part of. To understand that he's known as the last Adam. Because the first Adam failed. He's the second Adam, but he's the last Adam. We know that he's given the title of being Alpha as well as Omega. The beginning, the end. We understand he's been known as the bread of life that sustains us and nurtures us. We know he's known as the chief cornerstone. Everything else is built upon him. He is the chief shepherd as well as the good shepherd. He is Emmanuel. He is God. 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 Who's not only God, but he's with us. The titles continue. He is Lamb of God. Of course, slain before the footers were put on the earth. We understand he is known as King of all kings. He is Lord, superior to all other lords. He is the bright and morning star. He is the light of the world. He's son of God and son of man. Sounds like that job description of the perfect pastor found, right? He is the word. He is savior. He is mediator, attorney between God and man. He is high priest. He is redeemer. And the list goes on. Well, that redeemer brings up this word redemption. Everything that Jesus is a part of, always been a part of, is all about redemption, redeeming us. Our testimonies vary, and yet we understand we were born in sin. We were born with deception already in our DNA. We need to be redeemed, purchased. He's fulfilled that. And the only way that he could do this is because God is a just God. And I'm not going to preach long on that, but I, that's always something that's that aha moment for some that has not really thought of this God that we serve being just. Because sometimes we're fearful of that word. We hear justice and we want mercy. And we don't know that justice and mercy can sit in the same room. And yet I'm here to share with you, we all need to be thankful that he's just. Because he's not just fair. You see, it wasn't fair that Jesus died on a cross for our sins, was it? But it was just. In other words, there's a legal side to this thing of salvation. I know a lot of times, especially in this part of the world we live in, we, we talk so much about democracy. We talk about so many things, voters' rights. We talk about all these things uh, of being entitled. But we have to understand uh, the legalities of salvation and what God offers us. And that it isn't just, okay, you're better looking and so and so, I'll let you in. You've been mean to your parents. You can't get in. There's no way that you'll ever be forgiven or redeemed. And we just go on and on with the stories. But to realize that God is just. Just. The court said 
But somebody has to pay. Somebody has to pay the penalty of sin. And yet that person, that job description, oh my goodness, how complete that it is. And it is so fine at the same time. Can one be found to fulfill all of those legalities? You see, this is a different kind of preaching, isn't it? But to understand that God in his mercy is just. That Jesus says, no, I'll, I'll take Randy's sin. They can nail his sins to the cross. I'll shed my blood over them. This legal side uh, is always talking about past tense. For a text, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 19. John 19, verse 28, says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Again, speaking in past tense, everything that was required, the prophecies going out of who could fulfill all these things, only one, a Messiah, who could that be? The job description that would go out. Jesus fulfilled it and on that cross was able to make this incredible statement for preacher talk, we call it the finished work of Christ. It is finished. Every requirement, every box has been checked. Over 300 plus prophecies going out and Jesus fulfilled even up to I thirst to fulfill every regulation of this job description. For us who are believers today, we need to embrace more than ever the importance of who Jesus is, what he has done, and not bow, and not fade back, and not shrink back. Okay, okay, I don't want to have controversy where I am. I don't want to be labeled as a hater. So, you know, just let Jesus be one of the boys. No, he is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is salvation found in none other, only in him. He's the only one that could check all the boxes. He's the only one that could fulfill that job description. The expectations, incredible expectations, and yet beyond our reasoning was able to fulfill every prophecy that had gone forth. For us, we understand it started with the cross, but here's the other thing. And it ended with him being seated, according to the word of God, in the heavenlies at the right-hand side of the Father. So this brings up something else, doesn't it? And this is where I want to spend the, the, the quality time today. You had to know the foundation of thought of that job description. But you see, the job description, even though Jesus said it is finished, is still not complete, is it? Because what's he doing now? He is seated in the heavenlies, showing as an expression of completion, not standing, not looking over things. 
You watched me this morning going around making sure this is done. I've watched Miss Kim do the same thing. Her mind's always spinning. This has got to be done. Did they get this job? And just following up. He's not walking around the heaven. He's, Randy, have you done what I've expected of you? Tammy, have you got the job done? Nancy Langdon, have you? Nancy Langdon, have you got everything done? <laughs> this is my mother-in-law, folks. You understand I have multiple bosses in the building today. <laughs> No, he is seated. It is finished, completed this work of redemption. This other $100 word in religion causes us to be justified. We couldn't do it. He did it for us. No matter what we have done, it isn't a free pass. We must come to him, and yet knowing whatever sins are behind us, if we have come to him and asked him for forgiveness, we now are positioned to be justified. Again, the legalities of truth. So he is presently seated and yet active. Acts 3.21 is an incredible scripture that tells us that the heavens must retain him until the restoration of all things. He is seated there in position, but actively seated. The work that he started for us is still going on. And this is where you and I get the privilege of being a part of the kingdom and serving him, fulfilling the great commission, among other things. And yet we understand, but what is he doing now? The Hebrew writer, 7 and 25, puts it this way, that he is making intercession for us. Making intercession. Constantly making intercession. Paul writes to Timothy and he says to him, he's known as the mediator between God and man. The Hebrew writer said he is the high priest. Again, some of these terms, until we understand the legalities that was required, doesn't speak too much of us or to us. But to understand this high priest, making intercession. Oh my goodness, every story that was told today at baptism falls in line to understand the intercession. What is that intercession? What is actually going on right now in that throne room? What is being accomplished right now? What job description? In other words, you see, the resume had to be upgraded. The job description offered him was fulfilled, it's finished, and yet the resume still had to be upgraded. How many of us have experienced that in life as we got older? I, I, I received this degree from this college. I, I got this diploma. I went to this academy. And yet, that's when I was in my 20s, and now I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s, and just take the elevator on up, right? Some going back to employment after retirement. Sounds like the NFL, doesn't it? That was kind of a joke, folks. You can laugh. <laughs> How many times can you retire? And yet the resume. 
is added to to get the full understanding. This intercession that he offers us right now, this intercession of mediating between God and us. Colossians 3 and 1 said, and it's the perfect time, if we have or since we have been raised with Christ, we are to set our mind upon things above. We've been raised to new life. We've been raised to a different position. And now to understand we can think, finally think above those things above, those things that are prepared, those things that are yet to come, but also those things that I need right now, but I can't attain them without assistance. That's where the mediator comes in. How many has ever prayed for healing and your body was restored to health? Put your hand up. How did that happen? Coincidence? Just the medication? Just the prescription? No. You see, the legalities again, he took stripes on his back and declared we were. Again, there's that past tense in the it is finished. He prepared that and fulfilled that and shed his blood that our blood could be made whole. This perfect God couldn't accept any other way. It had to come from a perfect source. Somebody fulfilled the job description, and yet the resume still isn't complete, this intercession. Boy, if you ever ever question the love of God, right here he says, he not only makes intercession, he lives forever to make intercession for us. He can't wait to make intercession. He's already supplied everything we'll need, but now he gets the privilege of distributing it. I love the Hebrew writer again. We can come boldly into the throne room of grace. Just getting to know Victor. Victor, you can come boldly into the throne room of grace. Grace! Mercy! Yeah, but doesn't he know what I've done? Doesn't matter anymore. He paid the price so that you could be set free, given new life, given new purpose, given a new assignment in life. I like you. I could lay my life down for you, but that wouldn't mean anything because I couldn't fulfill the job description. But he did. This intercession of healing, this mediation. I wonder without raise of hands, how many would have to raise both hands? How many times have I sinned? How many times have I said, God, (laughs) by jingo, I won't ever do that again. And the sun didn't set on you before you did it three more times. Have you ever been embarrassed to go to somebody and say you're sorry? I mean, it's tough enough to say you're sorry, right? Men, say amen. Amen. I won't dare ask the ladies to do that. But somewhere along the way, as much strength it takes in us to do that, If it's a repeated offender position, 
Is it worth it? I'll probably be just stupid again and do it again. And yet to find someone saying, but I love you anyhow. Come on. Make it work this time. Make it stick this time. Back when I was a teenager, just involved in a Pentecostal church, I wasn't used to open expression. And this guy, I wound up working for him for a while. He had his own moving company. He had been in and out of jail multiple times, had 12 children. I mean, just stayed drunk. Mountain of a man, just strongest man I ever met in my life. Then expected all of us to work as hard as him. Wasn't possible. And he was going to a little independent Pentecostal church on the other side of town. But I got to know him and respect him so much. And he told me, he said, you know how many times I prayed in that altar? How many times? Finally, one day he came down and the building was so small it only had one aisle. It didn't have any side aisles. And he got up and shouted. And when he shouted, folks, I mean he shouted. You could hear him. Well, glory! And the walls would just reverberate. Well, ain't nobody going to make a fun of him. He's big as he was. He said, Randy, I ran out the side of that building, out that fire exit, ran out in the parking lot, came through the front door. I made about six laps through that building. I'm not going to make fun of that because I saw the man after that for years. It finally made sense. Somebody not only forgave him, but forgave him again and again and again. How many is with me? How many repeat offenders do we have in the house? (laughs) Sin and fell short of the glory of God, the, the salvation. If we've been raised with Christ, and then it tells us again, the one who is seated above. The Colossian writer Paul again says that he qualified us. To receive that inheritance. Just bow your head for a moment, will you? I'm not closing out just yet. But I want this to speak to you today. This inheritance is being offered. Maybe some of you have received inheritance of parents, grandparents. Maybe somebody else put you in a will. That expectation going into that meeting of when the will was read... What's it going to say and how's it going to be distributed? But you see, this last will and testament of our Lord, sealed by his own blood, he still is the arbitrator of it. He's still watching over it, making sure the distributions are given properly. And he offers to each one of us inheritance. The Bible says, with the saints. We preached about that last week. To know that we are, as believers, children of God. God's children. To be heirs of God Almighty. Don't tell me you're a nobody. In him you are more than a somebody. And to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Oh my, my, my. Whatever has been afforded him. Is also now being afforded. And now he's the one in his charity, his generosity, his justice, all these things. Says, yeah, I'm the mediator. (laughs) I can distribute it. I feel the 
presence of the Holy Spirit here today. And there, there are some that this is speaking to you right now because as much as you want to believe, as much as you say you believe, you still have this thing in the back of your mind, but I don't know about me. I know what I've done. I know how I've fallen short. I, I, I know how I disappointed my parents. I, I know how I disappointed my spouse. I, I know I caused great heartache. Is there really hope for me? Is there really inheritance set aside for me? Does he really see me as a saint? Does he really see me? Oh my, of these things. Can, can, can his word speak in my life that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? Does it really mean that I can be led by the Spirit to live by faith? Does it really mean that he's got purpose for me, that there's a job description for me, that I can bear fruit, that my life can have purpose, and it'll benefit somebody else? Holy Spirit, speak that to us today. Let us capture the grace that's here, that you're offering, the mercy. I'm going to ask you as a congregation to stand with me now.